Welcome to the Music Retail Show. Having conversations about the musical instrument industry to take you and your business farther. The Music Retail Show. Franklin Strap has been designing, manufacturing, and distributing premium guitar straps and the glider capo since 1999. Our consistent premium quality materials, timeless designs, and support from the most impressive musical retailers in America have made Franklin America's go-to guitar strap brand. Our catalog was designed so that your inventory dollars are put to the best use. As a small business, we understand that every cent matters. Each one of our series is a consumer market designed for the needs of a specific player. Every single model must meet a quality, economic, and aesthetic criteria that defines our brand. We price our straps based on the needs of the working musician rather than corporate profit goals, all while keeping the economics in the USA. And this philosophy is the DNA that gives Franklin its unique legitimacy. It also inspires us to earn your confidence, trust, and loyalty. Visit franklinstrap.com and don't hesitate to call or email with any questions on how to become the next member of the Franklin family. 615-791-7057. Info at franklinstrap.com. Franklin, the soft strap. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Music Retail Show. Today, Richard and I are going to have a great conversation with a special guest and good friend of Richard, Josh Tutchin. He has been in the music industry for years, specifically the drum and percussion world, and has a lot to say. So if you are interested in drums in your store, then you need to listen to this episode. All right, enjoy. All right, back for another episode, Richard. Man, we're right in the middle of summer. Yeah. It's in the middle of July. It's freaking hot outside. It's hot outside, yes. It's been hot in the warehouse. Although we have had a cool spell for the last couple days. Lots of rain. Yeah, the rain's come through. Of course, my garden loves it. My tomatoes are growing good. My peppers are growing good. So, Mm. um, yeah, it's good. It's It's good. good. It's good. But we got past Nam. How how do you think, just two seconds, how do you think all that went? How do you think all that went? Well, it's going to take me longer than two seconds. I, like I've spoke about before, am a fan of Nam. I know um, a lot of people, they can kind of go down a road of being a Debbie Downer, but I love Nam. I love what it's about. I love the industry. I love seeing friends that I haven't seen in a long time. Yeah, sure. Um, So I thought it was a huge success. Uh, The new facility looks great. Um, there was a lot of positive things going on, and uh, man, I'm, yeah. I was excited. I was happy. Yeah. yeah. Well, speaking of friends, yes, you've got a, an extremely uh, good friend here yes. today. Uh, this is uh, Josh Touchton. He's joining yes. us today on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Welcome, yes. welcome. Yeah, thank you so much. So, uh, why don't you take two seconds and maybe explain how you know this man? Well, I've I've met Josh, and and I'm trying to go through the timestamp of all this, but I know it was over 20 years. Yeah, um, sure. it was probably 23 years ago out in Arizona uh, when I worked retail. Um, I worked in, uh, and again, this isn't about me, so I'm going to be brief. I worked into what was a guitar shop and turned into over half of the the store was drums. And a big part of it was because of Josh. Um, And Josh, starting out early on, was always very cool to explain the product. I mean, Mapex is where he was working at, um, and it was newer to me and newer to a lot of people in that area. Uh, But when we were said and done, 
Uh, we sold a ton of drums, and uh, the community really embraced them. Um, I actually bought a couple kits, and Josh was a big part of that. He was okay. a big part of our success by information, his knowledge, and just on and on and on. So uh, Josh has been a great friend. Uh, I'm super <laughs> excited to do this one because we're not talking about guitars. I know. We're talking about uh, drums. Well, you said so that So I actually store... feel like the intelligent levels has gone up a oh. little bit. Oh man! Well, so that's just it. that's just my opinion. But Josh, I'm excited for you to be here. I appreciate you. I'm doing thrilled this. to be here. It's uh, you know I'm, I'm so glad to see uh, just how both of us have progressed in the last yes. twenty. We'll just call it quarter yeah. century. Yeah. And uh, that was a that was a really interesting time because I I looking back on my career and looking back on what you've done, they yeah. kind of mirror each other in a lot of ways. And um, looking back at that early point with Mapex, where you know, it really was a brand that is one of the only brands that has stuck around for this long that, you know, has done very well. Pioneer. It's yeah. done extremely well. And yeah. not only in the States, but uh, even a few years ago, I was working for another drum company going around. Uh, I was in Eastern Europe. Uh, I was in uh, I was in Italy for about a week. Mm. And it dominated every store. Really? It was everywhere. It was wow. everywhere over wow. there. It was amazing. And there's some amazing distributors over there as so, well. But it's done great. So do you look back and do you go, wow, I, my footprint is right here? I, 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 I don't know. I think there are so many people that have, that have touched that brand since then. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm very proud of, of what I was involved mm-hmm. with. And uh, um, when uh, distribution shifted, uh, and it went away from Gibson because uh, mm-hmm. it was it was Gibson that was a distributor. Yes, yeah. We we took Slingerland at that point, and yes. for about two and a half years, mm-hmm. really really pushed the Studio King stuff coming out of yes. Nashville. Which, as I understand it, a lot of guys that have told me that the Studio King, other than the Radio King, um, all the Radio King stuff from the 30s, 40s, and 50s, that the Studio King has turned into some of the most collectible drums just in those few years coming out of Nashville. Wow! But then going back to Mapex in '96. And really trying to make it into a viable brand instead mm-hmm. of just a, a brand that was distributed by you know by Gibson or I think earlier by Washburn yeah um, or by Washburn then rather um, it's amazing to see what it became because mm-hmm. everything shifted and it was very designated lines within it and now it's just kind of like every little bit of what they do and I don't, I don't even work for the company but I'm extremely proud of what they've <laughs> yes. done mm-hmm. um, you know like the Saturn series became the premier series I got one yeah things that we tried may not have flown the way that we wanted them to but then they were folded into other like the saturn became you know something that was made with walnut and yeah. and you know the orion went away and then other things came in and, and were even better too. i did too and um <laughs> and uh you know it was it was really it's really cool to see the the evolution of that company and really to see the evolution of the drum industry and there's some things mm-hmm. there's some some places where I think the industry has stumbled, but there are some places where the industry has really, you know, shined. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So I want to come back to Slingerland. It's on it's on one of my notes down lower because, uh, you know, I do want to talk about it. I'm, I'm, I'm interested in, in what's going on there. But... I want to. I want to start off by we have an announcement. We meaning you. Um, we have an announcement to make. Uh, one that that I'm very excited for you about, and I'm very excited for the industry because I think it's gonna uh, it's gonna hopefully open up some new doors for not just you but your team of of people that you've probably haven't even met all of them yet. Yeah. And and uh, stores. There's gonna be a lot of people affected in a very good way about this so uh 
tell us, what do you got going on right now? Well, for the last five years, I've worked for Marshall Amplification, um, helping with the Natal line. And, um, Which Natal is a drum company. Yeah, a, yeah. really, those really. that haven't heard. Yeah, yeah the line's been around since uh, 1965, uh, percussion line up until about 2010 when Jim Marshall, who was a drummer, uh, purchased the name from uh, the original owner, Alan Sharp, and um, helped get that going here in the States. Mm-hmm. And um, really have gotten it to a point where I believe that KMC, who's the distributor now, um, can take it and, and go with it. Okay. And... Um, uh, as of uh, the 23rd of July, I'll be working for Ludwig. Awesome. Mm. Awesome. And, uh, I'm really thrilled about that. Congratulations. Uh, it's very bittersweet to leave Natal because I, I honestly love the drums. They're fantastic. Yeah. I love the people. They look good. <clears throat> They're great. They're really great. And anybody who sits behind the kit, just any of the kits, just falls in love with them. And, um, you know, this this is a move that uh, I'll be able to grow a little bit more, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, being a product director is, is great. Um, I, I miss being in sales, honestly. I miss oh, okay. being involved with sales. Um, of a product, uh, even though I was selling, I wasn't the primary in that. I was really the mm-hmm. product director. Okay. Um, the brand is doing amazingly well in uh, in the UK because it's a it's a hometown brand, yeah. and uh, those guys are doing really really well. But now that KMC's kind of got it rolling, I feel like the time for me to transition into something else and to help someone else. Uh, hopefully, uh, I think the the time was right for me to be able to do that. So, I'll be the uh, director of sales for Ludwig for East of the Rockies. Okay, and so what oh, wow. what do, what does that mean to anybody listening? Um, I'll be overseeing the the growth of the brand um, on our side of the our side of the mountains, our side of the and, pond. Yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. uh, I'll be um, I'll be basically consulting and and overseeing the the work that the reps do. Okay, um, in um, on on the side of the country. Um, and as well as having some some key accounts myself that I'll take, which I'm really oh, cool. looking forward to that. Well, that's okay. good. And uh, that's that's really good. I think um, like uh, Sweetwater and and uh, AMS and and oh, some okay. of the bigger yeah. drum only stores. I believe I'll be in now. So what exciting. does that mean? Are, are you going to be dealing with some of the product and maybe some of the new product or ideas of the product? Because I know I know you have a great brain for uh, innovation. So. Yeah. Um, how does that fit, or is I just said, yeah, I've got a great brain. I sure do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I d- I think at this you, point you think you're talking to your wife, or every yeah. once in a while you'll go, yeah, uh-huh, I understand. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there was somebody, a question. Somebody get a hit me. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I um, at, at this point I think um, the product that Ludwig has is is heading in a real good direction. If they okay. ask, I'd love to. I mean, I've I've been building drums uh, for gracious over 25 years mm-hmm. and uh, i remember you telling a story you building shells in your kitchen one of the first times i oh met my goodness you. yeah i i rewrapped um oddly enough a uh, ludwig and ludwig in my kitchen in um um in nashville my wife and i were trying to rewrap this kit because i really wanted this finish and it was stupid it was a horrible finish and i did the whole thing wrong and at the time, I was thinking, okay, this is how it should work. And, you know, we're, we're guys, we don't really read directions. <laughs> and this stuff came off within within two days. The oh my covering goodness. was peeling up and everything. I, and I think that kit actually belongs to Ken Coomer, who's an unbelievable session drummer. He played for Wilco for a long time. And, mm-hmm. and yeah. he was Wilco's first drummer and played in... Um, 
um, played in Uncle Tupelo, uh, played with uh, Tim Finn, and just tons of different people. Amazing, amazing drummer. I think he's got that kit. And there have been a few times over the last few years that he's pointed out. He just out wanted a custom a, wrap on it? No, it was for me. Oh, And I okay, ended up gotcha. selling it to him. <clears throat> and I think so that he could remind me throughout the years that I did a horrible job on my first, <laughs> <laughs> my first drum wrapping. But yeah, I mean, I... I've always, uh, for the bulk of my life, I've, I've built drums, and, mm-hmm. I, and I love doing that. And I've been very fortunate in that um, I know how to do that. So when I've dealt with um, with artists that need a certain something, that I can I can do that. I, I was real fortunate to yeah. be able to um, uh, to work on um, uh, Vinnie, one of Vinnie Paul's last kits. Um, oh, cool. Maybe not his la- one of his last kits, but uh, before I, I worked for Armadillo with D Drum for a little bit, yeah. mm-hmm. and I was uh, I was able to build his Red Sparkle kit um, within. The weeks before I left there to yeah. to come help That's Natal, awesome. yeah. Yeah. and uh, of course now that uh, that Vinny's He's passed, passed away, on it, yeah. it kind of becomes very real that wow, some of the stuff I've done, you know, I've, I've done for people who aren't around anymore. Yeah, you kind of feel old and mm-hmm. you feel like, well, I was, I was very honored yeah. to do that, even though I never even met him. <laughs> yeah, but, I uh, actually seen him at the Winter Nam show year before last. Yeah. And I'll tell you about that story later. I'm not going to. I'm not going to share <laughs> okay. it here. It's nothing bad. Well, good. Good. Anyways, he was nice though. He he was he a was nice, nice guy. Yeah. That's good. I, I and God rest him. And I you know I, I feel horrible for his family. Sure. They, they've suffered Absolutely. a whole lot in the last lot. decade. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so back to the drums. Yeah. Not to interrupt you. Back to the drums of design and stuff like that. You feel like today that's not that's not what you're uh, going to be right. needed for yeah right i think so i think um with what ludwig has i mean I, of course i'm honored to to be working there yeah and um i'm really looking forward to the job um and i, th- I think kind of for me to go in and say oh, i've got this great design uh, i don't think so i think mm-hmm. ludwig's done pretty great well job. without me for 110 sure. years yeah you know? yeah <laughs> you know 110 years that's crazy yeah i think 110 years next year and uh, that's just that's. I mean, the oh, figure, I feel a new kit coming along uh, for the yeah, 110th yeah. anniversary. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah man, so I may be, need to get one. I've been itching to get a new drum kit. That? Well, that's true. I mean, and you think about the bass drum pedal. You know, bass drum pedal. The it'll Speed be King. Speed King. Yeah. Squeak King. You bet. It's yeah, Squeak King. I but like I love that. it. I mean, yeah. there's not a Zeppelin. There's not a Zeppelin track that you know that could have been a, done without it. Not to not to go crazy, but imagine if Bonham would have had a. A, a better pedal, not you know, a oh, state of the art pedal. But that oh would have done goodness. away with the struggle. There's something that's missing mm. today about the struggle. And yeah. uh, one of my favorite things that I heard uh, recently was was Jack White talking about his old guitars that the necks are bent and mm. you know twisted and stuff. Sure, and he made says him a better player. How much he loves the struggle. And there's something about the struggle that's that's disappeared. I, you know, I've. It's too easy. Yeah, it's almost too easy. And someone had asked me, well, you know, you're you're rounding 50. Do you feel like it's going to be harder and harder on down? If you were to change jobs, it's going to be harder to find something. I I don't think so because we know in this industry especially, we know the struggle. Yes. And we appreciate the struggle. I think we respect that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, all the drum companies I work for – I really I have nothing bad to say about any of them mm-hmm. because there was there was struggle there was success. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this the whole drum side of the of the music industry is a struggle right now, mm-hmm. and but I think I think there's a respect for it. Like we were talking earlier about how reverence has kind of disappeared yes, for certain yes. things. Yeah. I think the reverence for the hard work that's gone in I, I think needs to be 
appreciated. Yes. You know? Yeah. And and there is, thankfully, there is a, a group of people that do. They reflect. They've been in the industry long enough, so there's always that. And maybe that's where mine comes from, but I, I really respect the industry. I respect the product, the companies. Even if, I, if there's a company I don't really, quote-unquote, like, I still respect what they're about and what yeah. they're and – I, and I want them in the industry. I think we all need sure. – and, and it's good to have that in sure. the industry. And it's not just – it's not just respect for the gear or the companies that are building that are building the product, or that are I should say manufacturing the product, because there is a uh, there's a respect that I I hope is not disappearing for the dealer, you know, because uh, I think a lot of people have uh, have tried to find alternate means to getting product, and they're not necessarily going in the stores as much as they used to. Yeah, that respect for the dealer cannot disappear. I think it'll be the failure of this industry. If we, mm. if well, we and, and, and you bring up a, a separate point that isn't in my notes, but I've talked about it before, is I honestly feel like the brick and mortar, there is going to be a, a comeback. Um, it may not yeah. be what we've seen 20 years ago, because right. obviously we have online and we have other platforms to sell product, but I think there's a surgence of really, really good retailers that are out there and we're shaping new ones, so yeah. so we will have great brick and mortar stores. Yeah, I think we're weeding out uh, some of the bitter, jaded, and some of the the negative types. Right, um, and that's what happens. It's like a recession. People complain about recession, and I'm like. You know, sometimes recession's good because it eliminates those that don't need to be there. Right. And I think in the uh, music industry, we have to be careful because we want everybody to be here. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they don't need to be. But I'm seeing a crop of what I feel is better dealers. So I, 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 I agree too. with what you're saying. Yeah, I am too. And that's that's exciting for me because I'm a fan of the brick-and-mortar store. I totally am too. And I think you know, the reason I say that, you know, the, um you know, well, here's what I'll say. On my end of things, we manufacture the things, but uh, you know, we we come up with the the silly names for all the products. Sure. I'm the king of silly names. Um, but it's the brick and mortar guys that have built the line. Yeah, we'll build the product. They're doing the hard they build work. the line. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And there, there's a massive amount of respect for that. And then, you know, I think um, growing up, I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia, and from the time I was eight years old I was going into a lot of these stores mm-hmm. I've known a lot of my great customers uh, since I was eight interesting wow. Wow. And, uh, cool. Kenny Stanton and yeah, uh, yeah. Ed Magruder Ed Hamrick um, you know John Bond who's at Kenny Stanton's now he was at American Music um, yeah. I don't know him well but Pete Stroud who's who's uh, the guitarist for Sheryl Crow and yeah. he's one of the, one of those guitarists that as soon as you hear it you know it's Pete yeah he was working at American Music when I was probably 14 or 15. Really? And I saw him at a NAMM show a couple years ago. He was in line to check out a Marshall Code amp. And I just walked up and went, Pete? And he goes, yeah. He was freaked out that anybody came up and talked mm-hmm. to him. I said, I have to tell you from the 15-year-old version of me, thanks for being so nice to me. Aww. And it was because of people yeah. like that yeah. that I kept yeah. going back. And my dad, and you'd never do this now. I, my son's 18. I wouldn't do this with him. But there was this long road in Atlanta that had probably four or five music stores. And my dad would drop me off on Saturday morning. Uh-huh. Here's five bucks. Walk the mile and a half to McDonald's. Get yourself some lunch. I'll pick you up around three. 
Wow. And I just do to do walk get around stores. and go into all that's the stores. Fun. That's you know? a story. But yeah. I mean, the, that's, and you would do that today. I probably would. Yes. Um, <laughs> but you know, that's how we grew up. Yeah. Was going in these yeah. stores. It wasn't getting online. And, and I want to turn in the old guy going, I never order because I, I certainly use Amazon. And yeah. certainly yeah. I've tried to stuff. Sure, you can't there. say the old guy because we're the same age. I can, we're just, what, th- two days apart? Then I can say the old okay. guy. Um, Which I am a little bit older, I think. That's, you've got two days. By two days. 22nd? 24th. Okay, four days. I got four you. Days. You got more wisdom. Your birthday's in April? Yeah. yeah. On the 28th. Look All at this. Right. Look See at what's this. going on? But I'm 15 years younger. Right. So, <laughs> so you, you just sit and, and bask in sit all down, this. Sit down, boy. <laughs> but, I mean, I, you know, it was a hands-on thing. Yeah. You know, you could go in and, like, now I, I, couldn't, oh, yeah. I could never buy a symbol online. No. You know, and I, that's just me personally. There yeah. are people that do it, and I got people at the stores. Them, you know. Yeah, well, yeah. you know, like if someone goes to um, like Memphis Drum Shop, they've got yes. this great symbol site. Those guys can go in and pick exactly what you want, and they're really? great. Yeah, they'll, they'll know what to get, and and uh, they'll, they'll know the sound you're looking for and everything. So that's awesome. But, you know, if I was just calling, you know, somebody, oh, I saw online you had this in stock, go ahead and mm-hmm. send it. I couldn't do it. Well, I can't do it either because I, I symbols is uh, man. It's it's arguable if I I like symbols more than drums. Yeah, because yeah. I mean you know back in my retail days I had a big horseshoe of symbols. I had three different brands, and man I could just I can just play with symbols all day sure. long. I mean I remember even the symbols that I have today. I remember like crashes. Because um, I play the Peisty signatures, and I remember getting uh, fast crashes mm-hmm. in the signatures oh, yeah. that I love, and I remember lining up all of them, <laughs> and then just yeah. each one and going. Sure. I, I know I drove everybody nuts, so yeah. But I, you I got what you wanted. What oh, and yeah. I think Zildjian did such a great job back in the '80s. They, I, I, it was an ad with Omar Hakim, and he was talking about yeah. picking out symbols, and he mentioned in there he takes his own sticks. And I just oh, thought, wow, interesting. That's a great about idea. That. Are drums the same way? Like, or are drums a little bit more precise? And it depends on the heads that you get. Yeah, I think so. Good... But I think modern drums are more consistent. Okay. And so for the vintage drums, and of course when we were buying vintage yeah, drums, I've yeah. said this a million times, they weren't called vintage; they were called used. Yes. And you just go in and grab stuff and figure out how to make it work. But now yeah. you go back and listen, and the, and the glue has hardened, and the shells shells are drier. And you know you go back and you almost have to pick your vintage kit to find exactly what you want. But mm-hmm. I think with modern stuff, you okay. know the the, the D drum stuff, the Natal stuff, all that stuff that yeah, I worked with, the Mapex stuff, yeah, it's very consistent. It's very very consistent. So yeah. you can you can trust what's coming out of those factories. For a, for a more modern sound. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I think with the Ludwig thing, the thing I'm excited about is the higher end stuff, the Legacy Mahogany, Legacy Maple, um, and, and the regular uh, Maple Classics, mm-hmm. those are all made in the exact same molds that they brought down from Chicago. Interesting. So as I understand it, these are molds that go back to the 20s. Wow. So my my 74 Super Classic versus my, you know, my 58 WFLs, so my '64 Champagne Sparkle all came out of the same all came out of the same molds. My '64 Silver Sparkle. Anyways, go ahead. I know. Oh, we, I don't know. Man, we can I go love, on. But I love old drums. I do man. too, man. And that's 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 like an eight-hour show right yeah, there. Yeah, me too. My nine round bad Gretsch <laughs> snares. <laughs> I've got one to show. We're not listening to the boy over oh, here. Oh, it's so funny. <laughs> no, that that, that, that gets player. ugly. Yeah. That gets way ugly when we start talking about vintage yeah. drums and everything. But I, yeah. I think. Um, I think you're right. I think there's going to be a return of the of the brick and mortar guys. Yeah. But you know, it, it, forever, it's almost like 
there has to be eventually. Well, yeah, I think there does have to be. Um, There's a, um, you know, there are a lot of the dealers that in the 90s and early 2000s really worried about what was going on with Guitar Center and and even recently with with Sweetwater and everything else. Um, I I don't think there needs to be a concern because if anything, those guys are marketing the product that they're selling. They're promoting. They're promoting. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and there's not enough dealers that that feel that way because I think a lot of times there's a, like I said, there's an age group that there's all this fear, but the younger ones are coming along. I view it, and I, I did this when I was working retail when somebody, and I've shared this before, when they walked in with a magazine, I was like, cool, I get to sell something. Yeah. It's a competitor's magazine. Right. But a guy just wants to buy it. Right. He doesn't. He, he you know, and and he's in my store. Yeah. So if I do my job, I get to sell something. Well, there's something about here and now too. Yeah, touching. Here we talked about touching yeah. symbols. Yeah. I mean, that's that's really really important. And mm. you know, growing up, growing up when we did, um, I think you had a guy that mm. you trusted. Absolutely, you had a guy that you went to. And uh, for me, it was Ed Magruder. And uh, he was at Atlanta Pro. He was at Kenny Stanton, mm-hmm. and um, or at Ken Stanton Music. And Ed would, you know, would call me and go, "Hey, I got this in. You got to come down." I'd go down and figure out how I was going to pay for it and buy it. I've still yeah. got, I've still got the uh, Camco pedal that I bought from oh, him when goodness. I was fourteen. I want a Camco you know? kit. I do too. I'm, I look. <laughs> I seriously look. I want two things, and then I'll, I'll turn it back over to you. A silver sparkle. Or I'm sorry, a uh, champagne sparkle Gretsch kit, mm-hmm. and then I want a Camco kit. Yeah. Those are the two things that I want. Now I have, like I mentioned, a, a Ludwig silver sparkle or a champagne sparkle uh, snare, but I don't have the kit. Yeah. But I want I want two kits, and then I'll be happy. But uh, to I go want along with my other 16 ones. inch. WFL floor tom from 1958, right around there in black. If anybody has one, let me know. I've got I've got the thirteen, the twenty two, no floor tom. Oh really? I'll play that kit by itself too. It's yeah. it's so great. It's so great. But yeah, I just I want to round out that kit. And that's what somebody was saying, Well when you go to Ludwig, you're gonna pick out a kit. I'm like, you you don't want me in there. Poor Ernie over in the factory is going to kick me out yeah. so quick. But I'm going to make you a, a one that's like that's specked want. out. It's just, the, it's just the floor tom. I don't even want a full kit. I just yeah. want the floor tom. I have it's, to keep my ears open. Yeah, please do. Please yeah. do. See, I, did I derail us? I think I'm no, 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 no. I think no, we're no. fine. So we were talking about uh, brick and mortars. Yeah. You know. Um, so let, let's also talk about the retail side. And um, maybe you can give us information for, uh, you know, there's a lot of guitar shops, and and a lot of this goes to guitar people. You know, there's a lot of guitar people. Um, so 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 to keep their interest high, talk to us how we can get drums into guitar shops because we have a lot of guitar players that go, man, I would carry drums. I just don't know anything about them, and the only way I can get into drums is if I hire somebody. Now, what's funny is I'm a drummer who sells guitars, mm-hmm. so I believe a guitar player some of them yeah. can sell drums tell oh, us man. about that well i think i think a salesman's a salesman mm-hmm. and um, you know and i understand anybody that goes to work for a guitar store is you know it's going to be assumed that they are a guitar salesman yeah. but a salesman's a salesman yeah. um, my dad tremendous salesman he was medical sales forever and um, i remember when i got into sales him telling me look you're not a x salesman you mm-hmm. are an Salesman, you sell everything. Yeah, and uh, I was fortunate enough to work for Diderio for ten years. Yes, and I was not Good a guitar company. guy. Yeah, I, a wonderful company. I was not a guitar. I only a drum guy. I'm really, I'm really just a 
drum tech. It's really yeah. all I am. Mm-hmm. And um, but to go in and have to learn, I think at the time maybe five or six different lines. One of which I knew, which was mm-hmm. drumheads. Evans, yeah, yeah, which was Evans. And um, I think any you know I, I had to learn all those other things. I wasn't. I couldn't go at the end of the month and go. Well, here's what I sold. Sorry, I didn't tell, sell any guitar strings. Yeah. I'm a drum guy. Yeah, you know, it doesn't fly. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I think if someone wants to commit, if a store wants to commit to having a small drum section, mm-hmm. which I think three drum kits is perfect. Okay. You know, and it, it takes up room. I mean, if if you've got a playable drum kit that's a five-piece drum kit, you're looking at 36 square feet. That's, mm-hmm. a, that's a lot of room on the floor. Yeah. That's a lot of room on the floor. But if you can set one up and stack two beside it, you've got an opportunity because musicians travel in packs. Yeah, you know, and yeah. so a band, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If somebody's on the road, they're going to come in and go. Oh, you guys have drums? Do you have heads? Do you have cymbals? Yes. Do you have sticks? Yeah. I would almost start with accessories more than drum kits. Um, I say as I'm going to work for a company that sells drum kits. No, but that's a um, good point. That was that was one of my questions: is what what should we get into? What should we stock if we're predominantly yeah. a guitar place that wants to expand and have a new profit center? I think a good selection of drum heads. Okay. Um, is important, and um, I think that even even the basics, twenty two inch bass drum heads, you know, snare drum heads, and you know, ten, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, sixteen inch, you know, snare drum and and tom heads, mm-hmm. it's important to have. But also have the easy upsells, which would be, you know, we've got batter heads. Well. When's the last time you changed out your resonant heads? Yeah. There's a lot. I mean, just doing that, just putting a small display of drum heads in opens the door for even more accessories. Conversations. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And um, it's amazing to me when it comes to drum heads, how many people don't ever change their bottom heads, which is where every bit of tone is coming from. Yeah. You know, well, my drums don't sound that great. You know, well, you need bottom heads. When's the last time you changed out your bottom heads? Most people go their entire life. If they're not ripped or dented, them. they don't yeah. do it. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But getting back to the original question is how do we get uh, you know, non-drum stores to sell drum products? Mm-hmm. I think it's peppering in percussion items even. You know, having having three kits would be great, but I think that's pie in the sky. Having an accessory wall that's got you know, it's got your drum heads and sticks, things like yeah. that, keys, things a um, drummer can pick up on the way to a gig or something. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, I think one of the best things, which is the gateway drum, <laughs> that was horrible. Um, but one of the things I think to have that will go in like a um, an acoustic room is a cajon. Yeah. yeah, the 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 cajon, the participation box. Everybody thinks they can play it. Yes, you know. Oh so goodness. you throw you throw three cajones in where there's you know a guy playing acoustic. His buddy that doesn't even play drums just is going to come yeah. in, sit down and play, and go. Hey, I'm I pretty can do good. this. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty good. But I mean, I'm a drummer. Yeah, I drum. There's another I'm a drummer. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I think it's peppering in. Uh, you know, bits and pieces that maybe people aren't used to seeing in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I talked to a guy, um, I think it was last week. Um, yeah, it, it doesn't really matter when it was, but I was talking to a guy in the last couple of weeks, and he was saying that he had a certain drum kit that was sitting on the floor. It had been sitting there for like a year. I oh was my like, goodness. how am I going to move this? How many? And he was like, it's a beautiful kit. Mm-hmm. I had it front, you know, yeah. right up front so everybody could see it. Well, um, 
you know from moving house to house, yeah. and you guys know from moving house to house, you get clutter blind. Oh, stuff, yeah. And you don't see things. And like uh, my wife just did uh, photos, uh, some Natal photos, and we had two kits sitting in the living room. We've got a big open living room so she can do photography, product shots and sure. stuff. And uh, so we had these two kits sitting in there. They've been sitting there for three weeks. Well, I, I took some stuff back to the warehouse yesterday, and leaving the house yesterday, we looked in the house and went, wow, the house looks so good. Wow. We just... We're blind to it. Yeah. We just didn't see it. Yeah. Been there for so long, but this uh, this guy, this this rep, went in and talked to the store and said, "Look, you don't even notice this kit. You do. You see how beautiful this kit is, and you're upset that it hasn't sold, but you really don't notice it. Mm. And people that walk in have seen it over and over. Move it." Over here, yes. move something else here, and people walk in and go, "Something's changed." Wow, look at that kit! You got a new kit, mm-hmm. is what they say. Exactly. Yes. And so that kit belongs there. When mm-hmm. it's gone, even if it's five feet away, mm-hmm. that kit's gone. Yes. You know, oh, there's but a look new at that kit. one over here. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I think moving things around, keeping it fresh. Mm-hmm. I've I've said this for a long, long time at, at Planet Waves. Uh, which was a product that that still did actually very yeah. well for today. Owned by Didier. yeah, but it was very small at the time. Mm-hmm. I think it was a couple of cables and not even tuners. I think it was cables and straps. And well, the boxes were huge, and that was one of the jokes. As they said, "This is going to be huge," and we go, "Yeah, it already is." <laughs> so, I mean, the boxes were so thick yeah. on a wall, you could only get like three cables uh-huh. on a wall. But um, when we had those cables, of course, or the cable boxes, they were flat on the top. Yeah. Well, if somebody didn't sell through them dust would settle on the top of it and so my whole thing was at at the time this is uh this is early 2000s was to say you know you don't have to worry about guitar center you don't have to worry about the guy who's selling a similar product down the street you have to worry about dust on the product absolutely and if you guys aren't in there going in cleaning it off it looks old people see old stuff and go Nobody else is touching that. I don't want to do it. Yeah, and so I think True. in retail, keeping you know keeping your spot clean, nice, mm-hmm. yeah. moving things around so it seems fresh. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's a really good way to do it. Um, but I, that went way off track of what we're talking about. But that's as far right. as no, no, that's actually well, great. let's, let's that's talk great about let's switch gears a little bit, and we may come back. But I'm going to bounce around a little bit, so bear with me. You talked about drum teching. Yeah. Um, so. Um, talk a little bit more about that because I, I know a few people that you've drum teched uh, yeah. with, and uh, one of them in particular is uh, we're on a. Anyways, go ahead. Well, talk I, about drum teching. I was always really good at tuning drums when I was a kid. Yeah. I had no idea what I was doing, and it took years to find out what I was doing. But I was good at making people's drums sound. I sound better. I'm a better drum tech than I am a drummer. Without, and I admit that freely. I'm a decent drummer. I'm a fine pocket drummer. Somebody wants to mm. call me up. I, you know, I grew up playing punk and rockabilly, and I, that's what I know. Mm-hmm. And um, when I got into college, um, I was playing with a band that we were we were playing quite a bit. Um, and I would I would get people going, "Hey, your drums sound really good. Would you mind tuning mine up?" And I loved doing that. And there were a couple of times in college I went to. Um, where there would be uh, bands that would come in. I think the first two tech jobs I had was for Restless Heart, a okay. country really? band. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that ended up being very important to how I got into this industry. And um, uh, for... Larry Stewart, uh, lead singer? Yeah, I think yeah. So. I think that's right. Mm-hmm. And then um, I ended up working for John Molo, who was in Bruce Hornsby in the range. They oh, played okay. at college. And yeah. so I get this call from my bass player, who was a stage manager of, of the um, of the auditorium, whatever it was. And he said, hey, can you come help this guy? a guy named Gary Grimm, and who's a very famous drum tech. And I went and 
hung out with him hmm. for a full day and just was fascinated with it. Hmm. And he ended up giving me all of John's old heads and stuff. And I've seen John a few times throughout the years, and he's he's been very kind, whether he remembered me or not. He's yeah. always been very, he's, very he kind. He said he did. Because Gary didn't. <laughs> yeah. I saw Gary was like, hey, Gary! And he was like, yeah, I don't know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I really love making other people's gear sound good. Sure. And so when we moved to Nashville, you know, I started letting people know, you know, hey, this is what I do, blah, blah, blah. Nobody bit on it. But when I went to work for Gibson, mm-hmm. um, especially during Slingerland, the Slingerland yes. times, I started going out and working with people. And one of the people was Greg Bissonnette. Yes, that's that's and, what I was uh, hoping you would get to say. I ended up going on the road uh, doing clinic clinics, mm-hmm. not not touring with yeah. him on, you know, for the James Taylor stuff or the David Lee Roth stuff or anything mm-hmm. like that, but just in clinics. Mm-hmm. And so it was, uh, you know, having a tune to the room. It was, you know, changing heads out every night, making sure it was a different kit every night because we didn't travel with a kit. And so I ended up doing that with uh, Slingerland and Mapex for about seven years wow. with Greg. And, Which uh, Greg, and let's talk about Greg for a minute, is, is one of... If not the nicest guy that I've ever met. Oh my goodness, he's yeah. He's he's the greatest guy. He really is. He's yeah. tremendous. And um, his father was actually his drum tech in L.A. and hmm. uh, and Bud would drive uh, Bud would drive around with all Greg's drums in his trunk. Oh wow. And go wherever he needed. Yeah. And and uh, Bud was great. He was he was fantastic. He was a, he was a jazz drummer. And um, was just the best guy. In fact, I think there there were times that I was closer to Bud than I was to Greg. Oh wow! And uh, went to Germany together, had a blast. You know, it was yeah. really really great. But Greg was a lot of fun, and um, that really was kind of the benchmark for me on how I tuned everybody else's. I mean, I got to work for Ken Coomer, who was who was in Wilco uh, uh-huh. in the studio and and live quite a few times. But I would get you know calls to come in and and you know tune in studios and stuff and actually ken got me some jobs and there were a couple that he said i can't tell you who the drummer is because you want to you're going to want to hang out all day yeah and can't have it and I, I think i ended up working for charlie drayton one time which was huge and didn't meet him until months after i had done the session oh interesting. i got to work with levon helm yeah. which for me being a huge fan of the band was was tremendous um just a uh, fishbone one night which was terrifying yeah, I, I thought I was going to die on that stage. It was so great. But uh, I think uh, P-Funk one night, which I think was the same night. But um, just, you know, a lot of different people. I've, I've built drums. Uh, big Country. Uh, I think I did the last U.S. Big Country show with Mark okay. Brzezicki. And Mark's yeah. still a really good friend. But, um, you know, I've built drums for a lot of yeah. those guys. And, and that was great. I got to build uh, Greg's... Uh, Greg Bissonnette's uh, Ringo kit was the yes. last kit that I built for Mapex. Which is a great story of him getting that gig. Oh, it's tremendous. Yes. It's, it's really, really great. When he, Go ahead and tell that story. I think everybody needs to hear that story. Well, he had, uh, he had played. He's a huge. Greg's a huge Beatles fan. Beatles fan, In yeah. fact, his whole, for probably 15 Some years. Some of his clinics are even just yeah, Beatles Ringo. stuff. Yeah, Ringo. Yeah. And, and his clinics always had so much fun. Uh, just everything about him was just hysterical. And uh, so there are so many great memories with, with being on the road with him. But um, he, uh, being a huge, huge Beatle fan, mm-hmm. um, I remember I had left Mapex at, at that point, and uh, I, he was going to tour with ELO. Mm-hmm. And so I built him a, um, I built him a kit that looked like Ringo's for the ELO kit or the ELO tour. And um, it was after that I, I, something had happened and. I had had a rough night. I'd gotten off the phone with somebody. I was furious about something, either a store or, you know. Mother-in-law or something. Something like that. Not my mother-in-law. She's the best. She is. So um, She's not going to listen to this. She can be honest. (laughs) um, I'm just kidding. But I get this call. I get this call at, like, midnight. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm like, who is this? And so I'm like, hello? I don't even recognize the number. And I hear, buddy. I go, Greg? Buddy. And he's just in tears. Uh, yeah. And I go, That's a- what's going on? He goes, I got the game got of Ringo. It. Yes. And, yes. and oh, wow. it was really cool. And then he goes, here, talk to Matt. So Matt Bissonette was there. And His Matt brother. goes, hey, Josh. Yeah, baseball. And he goes, I got the yeah. gig, too. So they were they were going to tour as Ringo. And oh, I didn't know Matt yeah, was he with did, it, he too. Did for a while. Interesting. And, uh, but that's that's been like his his main thing for, yes. uh, it's got to be 20 years. Really? Yeah. And, um, and he's perfect for it. Man. Well, and uh, now backing up, I did a clinic with, I had him come in. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, and and I've talked about this. I'm not a Beatles fan. I appreciate what they did. I, I just right. think I, it's just not my cup. Yeah. And uh, he did a he did a kind of a, a you know a tribute to the Beatles kind of thing. And I'm like going, oh jeez, I don't. But your eyes just opened. But no, yeah. he he blew me away because by the way he talked, the way he introduced uh, phrasing on the drums. Yeah. And and I'll, I'll never forget because the store was packed. And uh, we had another guy that had a lot of students, so we had a lot of younger people there. And I was like, oh, Jesus is going to bore them to death. Um, and I'll never forget, uh, he was on our stage, and it was glass behind there, and there was parents lining up in the parking lot. And I look up, and it was like 1030 or 11 o'clock at night. Time went by yeah. in like 30 minutes. His clinics, his clinics are amazing. And, and he was off the charts. Well, know? the great thing about Greg, and I could sit and talk about Greg for hours and hours and hours, and some things I can't tell about Greg because they're just too funny. But he um, he makes you feel like you've been best friends with him Absolutely. for years. Absolutely. And, and to actually be really good friends with him is, is fantastic. I mean, yeah. you know, I... I, I have tons of great stories about it. I remember going to his house, and he's a multi-instrumentalist. That's what not a lot of people know. He's I didn't know that. amazing trumpet player. Interesting. He's a great uh, great piano player. Really? really? Yes. This pilot. No, he's a great, he's a, <laughs> yeah. he's a great uh, pianist. And I remember going over to the house when I was at Mapex, and he has his Ringo kit, his his Ludwigs. And yeah. I think they're, they're you know, 64, you know, Black really? Oyster Pearls. And uh, so he's like, let's play. I'm like... I can't play with you. You're great. <laughs> yeah. He's like, no, no, no. I'm going to play piano. So he starts playing piano. And I sat down, and so he and I played for like, wow, a couple of hours. And then I think the only I've only had three lessons in my life. And you got one, one that night. right? I got one that night and went down to. He had the other kit set up in front of. He had two kits in his basement. Well, the kit that I had to sit and play was the black and white pearl kit from the um, from the skyscraper tour. Really, oh, wow. like whoa! You know, it's really iconic kit, and and uh, but the uh, the other third um, was taking a lesson with his dad. Was uh, how was cool a is brush that? lesson with his dad oh, in the back goodness. in the back of a cab in Frankfurt, Germany. Oh, and he was a goodness. killer drummer as well. He was great. He was awesome. Yeah, and the other was Kenny Aronoff, which was oh, just, he's a beast. Yeah, so that was yeah. I was I think it was seventeen. It was the coolest thing ever. So, wow. but yeah, I mean, and Greg was just tremendous, and the. Um, Working for him was really good because, like I said, I got a baseline on how to set up and tune and everything else and figure stuff out. Greg was never, yeah. oh, that's off. In fact, we're, he was in uh, he was in town a few years ago, and um, he was at a local store and he was doing a clinic that night. And I was leaving to go to England the next day, and uh, I went by to see him. And I walked in and he was like, "Josh," and comes over and just huge hugs and everything. And the poor guy behind the counter knew who I was, and he goes, "I've already got his kit tuned up." 
And Greg goes, you sure did. And he puts his arm around me. He goes, did you bring your key? (laughs) (laughs) So I went over and was like, wow, these are really nice. But Yeah, these sound good. Trying to tune the bottom head while I compliment the two. But, you know, he was really great to work for. And about that time, I got to meet Jeff Hockeltree. Mm-hmm. And Ockletree was uh, was Billy Cobham's tech. He was Don Perry's tech. He was Steve Smith's tech. Uh, I think wow. he's with Blue Man Group. He's out with Cindy Blackman right now. Wow. Um, but he was Bonham's tech. And um, so, really? yeah, for I think seventy seven through seventy nine. Wow. And uh, maybe a little bit earlier than that. And um, he was he was in Nashville. In fact, he helped us do our floors on our first house in East Nashville. He was over there every day How with cool. a sander and yeah. wow. and um, but we were working on a TV show called At the Ryman. Actually, he was, but he brought me in as his second to help. So we got to work for like Paul Lyme and oh great, and, you know all these different yeah. guys that would come on there and and um, he would really beat into me. This is how you tune. And I remember going over to his house one night and pulled out this beautiful Gretsch green Gretsch uh, rack tom. And you go tune it up. So I'd tune it up and you know, it hit it and he go, Sounds really good. What'd you do? And I go, uh, I don't know. Take it apart. And I mean this went on and on for an hour. I'm going wow. to get food. I'll be back. And so finally I come back and I tell him what I did and he was like, Okay, that's what you gotta do. I think I was about to go out on a uh, I I was with Gibson then, and we were about to go do like three days at the International Blues Festival or BB sure. King's birthday bash or something like that. And we had like seventy people coming in, so I had to have something that we could we could tune, you know, from place yeah. to place to, yeah. or from kit to kit to kit to make it sound good. And Jeff was instrumental in that. But you know, I fully believe in giving you know proper credit to everybody, and I give all my really my practical tuning no. knowledge I have to give you've had so an education off. that's uh, off the charts I've been I really mean, lucky yeah, yeah absolutely yeah, none of this so, is so what are you what are you uh, what are you listening for or what are you doing to, to get a great drum tone well new heads are crucial and that's why okay. we're talking about you know in the stores if they want to get into you know into drums I think the accessories are extremely important mm-hmm. um, drum heads especially uh, I mean yeah your guitarist you're changing out your guitar strings it doesn't matter if you've got sure. a you know if you've got a 59 mm-hmm. Les Paul Jr. or whatever I don't know do they make one in 59 I don't know yeah, they actually um, do. see I knew that um, <laughs> I just wanted to bring you into the conversation yeah, really. um, I love drums but yeah, you know they're great. you don't have the same heads that are you, you don't have the same strings yeah. on that guitar that you did in 59 yeah no and um, kill you. you know with with drums doesn't matter if they're new or old that's where everything's mm-hmm. coming from so the bottom heads are crucial and for stores not to carry bottom heads you know it, and tell us why they're crucial well if you if you look at if you look at the drum um, like this if you look at it uh, like a trampoline and a catcher's mitt you want that nice studio bend that people are always trying to get live in in the studio that bottom head needs to be a little bit higher and there'll be people that disagree with me and I, I that's fine if they've got sure, a, a this different is, way this to is this your is just style me. yeah um, but tuning that bottom head about a quarter to a half turn higher allows for the vibration to bounce back up to the top head the top head being looser yeah. is going to grab that sound and it's going to die out and you're going to get that nice definition mm-hmm. um, but with the bottom head being tighter, vibrating, I think vibrating more than the top head. Um, it's going to wear that thinner, out. Because they're thinner, and so it yeah. does cause more vibration. Why have I seen kits without bottom heads on them? Well, concert toms were a big thing, and that that goes to Hal Blaine. And uh, when Hal Blaine was recording with like Mamas and the Papas and the yeah. Beach Boys and stuff, if you look at the picture, Hal's got a regular four-piece kit set up, and they just rolled in the concert toms that go around it. Okay. Yeah. But then like Ludwig uh, looked at that and said, we're going to do an octoplus. And they brought, they actually made a kit with all those things without the 
double-headed toms that Hal played. Okay. And then Hal would go on the road with like Linda Ronstadt and different people like that, and he would use you know he would use single-headed because he was known for that. And they were at the time in the seventies they were they would die quick, so you didn't have you would have boom. Well, like, probably because you know, PA systems were different, the rooms were and different. You stick a mic right. You up could in stick there. a yes. You can yeah. So, but that's not common practice. Um, there are a few people that do it. I think Jonathan Mover did it for a while. Um, I'm trying to think who else. Um, Kia but, Stroud actually is doing it right now. With but Big Jonathan Rich, Movers but, didn't do it on all of his drums. No, no, no. He no, did no. only on part of yeah, it. Yeah, on yeah. some of the stuff. But um, yeah. like I, I've seen Kia Stroud, who's out with Big and Rich. I think Kia's got a um, got a mahogany kit that he's single headed. You don't see him a lot. Okay. I don't think you're going to see a huge return to that just because yeah. there's not a tone. It's yeah, it's attack. Like it. Yeah. And there's no voice behind it. Yeah. But that yeah. bottom head there's is no resonance. Tone. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, I got a question too, even about store owners and trying to get people to carry drums like, you know, a guitar shop like you're talking about. Is it important for people who are just carrying drums to know how to tune drum heads? I, I mean, think is it's that crucial? So they, yeah. so you would have to go through and work with those store owners sure. to make sure that they actually knew how to sell the product properly. Yeah, it, no, you I think um I think if you are in a drum shop um and you don't know how to tune, you're in the wrong place. Um that is I mean, it's almost like you work in a, you work in a uh, an auto parts store but you don't know how to how to fill up a gas tank. I mean, you know, the car's got to run, yeah. and there are very simple things, and that's a very crucial part to, yeah. you know, to the mechanics of, of the drum set. Um, you know, with Evans, I did. I ended up doing about fifty tuning clinics a year. So around one a week, I'd go out and do these these wow. things, and okay. and it was great, and it was amazing the reaction because I thought there's no way there's going to be any interest in this, and there'd be nights like I'd have three people. Which was actually fun because you could sit there with those three people yeah. and go through and be very in depth mm-hmm. and and talk about their specific situation. But I'd have nights where there'd be three or four hundred people. Whoa! And wow. you know they would just you'd see people writing down and hey I got it. And even now I'll get people that have gone man I, I met you when you did that you know that tuning clinic at mm-hmm. wherever it was. And I mean it's it's a lot of fun. It helps the stores because the stores are going to end up selling more drugs. Sure, heads. and I think that'd be the point. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think I think that things like that are really crucial to anybody who wants to have a drum department or any department. They need they need to be able to teach the maintenance on it. Um, you know, being such a, a gearhead, I I'm, I'm into the maintenance of everything. Sure. And and I mean, Richard knows I've I've got an old pickup truck that I live under most of the time. And I love working on it and figuring out, you know, what's why is it not running? Why is For it, those that don't know it's a Ford. Which I love for. Yes, it's 77 F100. Yes, it'll, great looking. It'll drive, Even some pinstripe on little it. Bit of, little bit of pinstripe. Yeah. But it'll drive up a, it'll drive up the side of a mountain. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I've got to know how to work on it to make sure. it work. And um, I hate to say it, but it seems like with, uh, with YouTube um, and, and all the online services that you can get, the age of the clinic has kind of gone away. And yeah. uh, that's a very yeah. tough conversation I've had to have with um, a couple of artists. Um, one in particular who's just a super, super dear friend that I've done 20 years worth of clinics with. That's how he does. That's how he makes his living is yeah. clinics. And it's so unfortunate because people need to see what this guy does live because it will totally blow you away. Greg has made, you know, has done very well oh, with yeah. clinics and still is probably the strongest clinician that's yeah. out there. But even talking to Johnny Rabb a few months ago, he said the toughest pill for me to swallow was the fact that 
people could go online and see what I do. They didn't want to see it. But it is different. I mean, like you said, because I did a ton of clinics. I mean, I had not only just drummers, but I also had uh, guitar player and bass players in there. Um, But it is totally different. It, it, It does a lot... Uh, for the store, it brings mm-hmm. a huge audience in. Yep. It gets people fired up. You get to actually see who m- maybe your favorite drummer in in this case, and and you actually are inspired and and sure. you get to see gear and you get to have sales and there's all this other stuff. Well, there's so a I connection think, that you make. Yeah, too, there's and there's a lot of music stores that because of YouTube and because of all this other stuff, they're just like ah, we're not going to do clinics no more, which but, is a shame. But it, it's a huge shame. And I mean, I had a ton of people come in. I love doing clinics because yeah. we would pack out a store and there was so much energy in a room and so much excitement. That trickled on for probably a month, um, you know, because yeah. people would come back, or I would give them a coupon, or or do some something to bring them back in. Mm-hmm. So a lot of music stores uh, are missing out on opportunity because you can give somebody a, a an extra five, ten, twenty percent off if they come back uh, with part of their ticket stub right. because they were at the clinic or yeah. whatever. Um, uh, but but you're right, being in the audience. Does an amazing thing where YouTube uh, is fun, it's cool, it's exciting, but being there is something that I think we're missing out in is hugely important. Well, I think so too. I, you know, I look at my my kids. Here we go, my kids. I look at my kids versus me. I was gone every weekend. I was out trying to find something to do. Yeah, they don't really have to. They can sit and do this. Oh, absolutely. Yes, find stuff absolutely. To do. And, and I'm I'm fortunate with my kids in some ways that they are very active in, in different things and they're gone a lot yeah. but I've seen a lot of kids that you know and their their parents that'll mm-hmm. sit there in front of uh, you know and video games and everything else I mean there, were, there was a whole thing a few years ago where we thought well the industry's done because of rock band yeah well that didn't happen nope yeah. you know, that didn't happen so I hope there is a return to, to live music I went to see uh, two weeks ago uh, my wife and I went to see the Blasters mm-hmm. um, at the Exit Inn and Blasters have been one of my favorite bands since I was probably ten or twelve years old. Yeah, and they're they're old guys now. You know, they're they're in their seventies. They're in the late sixties and seventies. And it's like these guys are amazing. Will these guys are How amazing, yeah. and they they kept it together. And there are some people that now, um, even in buying music, you've got the opportunity just to pick and choose. You don't yeah. get the whole thing. Oh, and I yeah. think my son, a couple years ago, wanted to buy a. Um, uh, C.W. Stone King album or a Frank Fairfield, you know, this kind of weird, you know, kind of twenty sounding, you know, jazz blues sort of stuff. Yeah. And he was like, "Yeah, I'm really into this." He said, "I think I'm going to buy, you know, I want this song and this song and this song." And I said, "No, you're going to buy the whole album because you need that experience." Mm-hmm. Yeah. When we were kids. Good for you. You had to buy yeah. the whole album, and yeah. you know, I I was buying X and Blasters and and you know Los Lobos and. You know, and fear and everything I could find, you couldn't buy one song. No, you had to buy not, not from those bands because they didn't ever put out singles. Yeah, you yeah. know, but you had to go through the whole thing and you learned, you learned everything about it. And I think with a clinic, it's the same sort of thing. You don't get to go on and go. I'm going to watch this three minutes. You go in and you invest in the time and you come out fulfilled. I think absolutely. And, and there's a lot of clinics that I've been to that I've left going, well, that was cool, but I'll never be able to do that. There's a ton of clinics I've been to that I've left going, wow, I'm going home, I'm going to try that. I think if you want, you can always be inspired. And I think that's a lot of times what clinics are for. But a a lot of, you know, and a lot of people, they kind of think maybe I'm being a little harsh with this statement, but 
in my opinion, a lot of this comes down to us. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, I don't want to sound like an old guy, um, but a lot of it is us. I mean, if I owned a music store, it's my responsibility. You know, I can't blame it on right. on Rockman. I can't blame it on uh, video games. I can't blame it on skateboards. Right. I can't do that. I just have to go. What do I need to do? Right. Mm-hmm. How can I improve the community? Um, what What do I need to do to bring people in? And and right. I, and I think that's a that's a big uh, part of the equation with a lot of people is they think they can just open up the doors and people just flock in. Yeah. Right. That's not the case. I mean, um, and and I don't want to go down. Down this road, but I can tell you, when I worked retail, we had the same problems. They were just different, right? Yeah. You know, they 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 were different. But we would sit there and and creatively go, "What can I do?" You talked about that kit that was was sitting there that the guy didn't move. We moved the store around all the time. Yeah. It, it's interesting, and I've told this story before, but we had a uh, a Nuno uh, guitar that I, I it, we just couldn't sell it. Well, we put it at the front of the store when you walk in, and guess who? One of the guy that was interested in it, who didn't buy it, him. He came into our store. I don't know how many years ago, and we put this together later on. Isn't that crazy? I was living in Phoenix, going to school. I walked into a store. Yeah, and and it would have been even better if he would have bought it. I called my dad, asked him for the money, and he was just like, "Well, how much is it? I don't even remember how much it was now, but." But you should have told me you called your dad. I'd have talked to your dad and made him a sweet deal. Because I was, I was ready to get rid of that guitar. Thought, you know what I think it came down to is I ended up buying uh, new uh, Ping Ping I twos golf clubs oh. instead. So well, but, that's not a bad choice. No, no, either. it wasn't I a bad mean, choice. Well, you know, the new. But, new but anyways, uh, you know, uh, and and again, I don't want to go down that road, but it's it's ultimately our responsibility. No, I agree, and I think you know I, I'm certainly not anti technology. Yeah. In some ways, I am. I you know I love I love making stuff. I, and Sure. You know, how much can I do without having to go out and buy tools and everything else? I love that. But, you know, as a as someone who's worked retail, when I was working retail in the in the 80s and early 90s, we didn't have the opportunities that we have now with social media. And so now you can if anybody's following you on Facebook or Instagram or whatever, you can put stuff out. Hey, between three and six today, twenty five off on all strings. You know, yeah. and I mean, you can do that every day. You can yes. do stuff. You don't have to hire an advertising agency. Yes, you don't mm-hmm. have to have your own web page. In fact, uh, it's got to be creative. I was looking at somebody. I was looking for um, something a local store in in uh, in the town where I live. Um, I was looking for something, seeing if they had it in stock, and I went, "Oh, they've got a they've got a web page." I didn't even know they had a web page. Clicked on it, took me right to their Facebook page, yeah. and all of a sudden I see all these specials. And I'm going, "Well, I guess I know where I'm going this weekend." Yeah, you know, oh, and it's yeah. still an old school place, but they've they've embraced enough technology that guys like me who are trying to find out what they have, who are older guys, are going to take advantage of that. Interesting, yeah. interesting. So let's let's go back to something that uh, we're going to talk. We're going to geek out and talk drums here a little bit. Good. Let's. Talk about bearing edges. What have we been doing? How, yeah, how important is bearing edges? Um, and, and then when we're done with that, before I forget, I also want to go back to uh, some stuff that Nate brought up, and that was a store and tuning drums. Yeah. And, and and I also want to talk the difference Something between coated, uh, yeah, coated and clear. Uh, so I want to I want to go back to that. But first, I got to geek out a little bit yeah. and talk about bearing edge. What's your favorite bearing edge? Uh, my favorite bearing edge is on the fifty eight WF. 
and it's a round bearing edge on a mahogany three-ply shell with reinforcement hoops. Now, why do you like that? Because I don't. I know, and, and most most modern drummers are not going to like that edge. You but just put me in a pigeonhole right there. No, 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 <laughs> because the, the modern thing is so much wider than the, yes. the vintage guys. But that rounded edge just creates a warmth. Um, that I just don't I don't think you can find in a in a sharper forty five. Okay, and uh, now do you have to change your head combination? Is it different than something? Because I like yeah, a forty five with a three sixteenth uh, counter cut on it. Right, I do. I like that thin uh, maple shell, mm-hmm. like because I love Gretsch. And, yeah, you know, back when you know that's what they kind of went for. Sure, and I love that sound, um, but. Uh, you know, like some of the other brands that that had the the support rings and the fatter right. bearing edges, I always I always felt like I had to change my head combination, and uh, I didn't always like that. So, what did you do to get a great drum sound with that? Well, I, I think I think on bearing edges, I think it, certain shells that uh, that round edge works. Certain shells it doesn't. I think on a on a thicker shell that doesn't vibrate as much. Uh, like the you know the the mid seventies Ludwig's that were that were fairly yeah. thick, um, I think a round edge would would just die out. Yeah, it's just not going to give yeah. you anything. But we're also talking about a mahogany shell, which is real thin. It's three ply, mm-hmm. and then it's got reinforcement hoops. And those reinforcement hoops, even though they do focus the tone a little bit more, it's to keep the mahogany from going out around to flex. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. On a maple kit, um, you know, because there's there's it's some harder. maple kits. Yeah. It's harder. You don't really need. The reinforcement hoops, even on a four ply shell, you know, you don't really need reinforcement mm. hoops. On a three ply, you probably you do. But yeah, but like just most, most of them were like six ply, like on six or seven. Stairs. Sure. Yeah. So yeah, and like I'll tell you the probably the best modern thin shell that I've seen, um, and, and it's really not even modern. It's twenty something years old now. Is the um, Star Classics. Those first Star Great Classics, drums. you Great could drums. shave with yes. those edges. Yes. Those shells were so thin, and they were perfect. I forgot all about those. that Because um, I bought a Tama kit, and, and uh, during that time, I remember going... Man, I want to get a Star Classic. There was nothing like it. Yeah, they it they were those shells. I forgot all about those. They were gorgeous, and yeah. everything about that drum was just that was that was one of those things that I look back on. Even though I, I am not a modern mm-hmm. drum guy, I look back on it and just go, "That was great." But you know, the old yeah. Gretsch shells, you know, that great Gretsch sound. That's what everybody has been chasing for years yes. and trying to do. And there are certain things that people do that. Um, that you see that Gretsch did, and they try to just do the shell. Yeah. But what they aren't doing is they're not doing the weight of the lug. They're not doing the lug. Uh, the well, lug the placement rims. And the, the rims. The hoops. Yeah. yeah. You Those Gretsch hoops were rims. tremendous. Yes. yes. And as long as they were the U.S. the U.S. hoops, they were tremendous. Yeah. They were really great. Because the, the die, stuff cast, is great the die too, cast hoops make a world of difference, in my opinion. Sure. I mean, it focuses the drum a whole lot more. Um, I if I could buy any product that was made for myself and just sell it as a sell it as a um, as an accessory mm-hmm. if i owned an, uh, one product to sell it would be the old um i think they were called diamond plate i, I could be wrong on that the old premier hoops the old premier diecasters they were lower mass um they were they were gorgeous and the as i understand it the chrome again i'm probably way wrong on this but the chrome was done in the jaguar factory 
Interesting. And that's why they were so beautiful. Really? And but they were lower mass than a regular than a Gretsch. Yeah. Um, but they they had the strength, they had the focus, but they they were a little more open. Okay. And if if I had the money, I'd buy those molds. Interesting. I really I, I would have to look and see those. I don't recall those. Really, really pretty. Interesting. Interesting. I got a question. You know, from a from a perspective of a guitar player here, I'm like totally <laughs> lost on a lot of this conversation. I will have to admit that when I hear a good drum set, it sounds great. But the 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 the, the key component of that to me is always the snare. If a snare's cutting through and I'm listening to music and it sounds great, to yep. me the whole drum set sounds good. So you guys have been talking a lot about about drums. It seems like obviously toms and, and, and kicks, but uh, you know, what about snares? I mean, how important are snares? And and maybe you guys can kind of geek out about snares for a bit <laughs> well, then because you get like, into like snare beds, yes, and, uh, yes. And, and edges. You know, I I actually do have some snares that that have rounded bearing edges, okay. and so they're warmer. They're not as uh, they don't have the attack that a that a modern or even a, a sharper edge snare like yeah. you know you were talking about with the um, the three sixteenths countercut. Yeah. yeah. And the 45 that just lets the seat the the head seat just rest and it on. gives the it it gives the sound and the vibration direction to go down to the bottom so, and it's faster you know it's faster sounding the snare i mean here's the thing the funny thing about a snare anybody can make a good sound in snare drum that's the thing i mean if, if you've got certain key components in there like you know a lot of people like 10 lug pattern i like eight lug patterns like so it's a little yeah. more open mm-hmm. um i like triple flange hoops instead of die cast hoops on most mm-hmm. woods except maple i like i like a die cast hoop steel i like a die cast hoop everything mm-hmm. else is 2.3 mm-hmm. you know i there, it's this whole i have to have it this way sort of thing the good thing is nate doesn't know what the heck you're I talking know, about this is great, i love but it he's I love nodding it. Yeah. Like yeah. we're gonna do this next week <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was like you said earlier it's like when he said something like you've got a great brain you're like yeah or whatever it yeah, was. Yeah, sure like, yeah, sure do. Thanks, appreciate it. Well, but uh, listen, but uh, like if I go back, you listen to John Bonham. Like yes. in, in my opinion, that snare sound yeah. is it doesn't get any better. Now you could listen to Phil Rudd, and I, you know, I've always gravitated towards rock guys. Yeah. Like that is like that makes the drum set sound. Yeah, yeah. Stuart like, Copeland. Yeah, Stuart Copeland. You look at the the difference between Phil Rudd's drum sound or snare drum sound and Stuart Copeland's from the police. Stuart yeah. Copeland sounds like. You know, like an oatmeal box that somebody just cranked <laughs> yeah. up, and it'll rip your head off. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't a, an expensive drum. Yeah. That's the thing is that it was not a, that expensive a drum. But it was why did they sound so good back then? I tell you, his his tuning his tuning was. Uh, it was sounds really low. High. It sounds low, and it sounds deep to me. To me, am, am it, I correct? You know, well, with with Stewart's, it was always fairly high. Really, it was high. a real, real nice tight. crack. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then you go listen like Steve Jordan, who is one of the greatest studio musicians and just greatest drummers of all time. He's got the same sort of crack coming out of a wooden drum. You know, and, and it's a little bit different, and the way that he attacks it is a little bit different. So snares are not normally wooden. Well, no. no well, I mean, there's a there's a whole lot. I know of stuff. marching snares are metal, but um, actually, marching no, a lot of wood. Uh, yeah, a lot of wood yeah. and marching. Yeah. Uh, because, Deep. because it's lighter. Okay. Yeah. You know, it, well, you could you could make a lighter one. In fact, um, uh, there there is a carbon fiber um, snare drum that's out there that's really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but like in in drum set snares. With metal, you only you don't just have metal. You've got steel, phosphor, bronze, brass, aluminum. Yeah. You know, oh, copper. Okay. Um, in fact, DW even makes a, a concrete snare drum. What? Yeah, concrete snare drum, which I've not played. Yeah, but I, I have a buddy that's got it. one. And he's like, really? I love it. Um, one of the best metal snare drums I ever had. Getting back to Jeff Ockeltree. Jeff made dangerous Ockeltree drums, 
And uh, Jeff's also, and he made those out of uh, carbon stainless steel. The problem, it's the only drum I've ever had fired off of a gig because it was so loud. Really? It was so unbelievable. Bass player turned around, looked at me, and said, That's enough. Please tell me you've got your maple drum with you. Yeah. And of course, as soon as I switch it out, Jeff comes walking in the back door, Where's my drum? You know, yeah. just, oh, that no. did not go well. But, um, <laughs> but you know, um, and he even made steel, he made uh, uh, snare drums out of um, old. Heisty bronze, cymbal yeah. bronze, oh, and cool. and whole drum kits. But you know, in wood, it used to be, and you know this. If if you were fifteen, sixteen year old, and you had a maple drum set back in the mid in the mid eighties, you were it. You're you were the time, coolest yeah. guy ever to walk the planet. Really? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because maple or birch, and really because of Pearl and because of Yamaha. Yeah. You know the the uh, recording custom. Um, and the BLX, those yeah. were the top birch kits. I'm not a big fan of birch. Uh-uh. Um, it sounds good up above it. Doesn't have the projection that maple does. Mm-hmm. So I've always been more of a maple guy. Yeah, maple. But now, um, you know, at Mapex 20 years ago, we did uh, we did a thing called the Deep Forest, and it was made out of 100% walnut. We were the first ones since like 1928 to do a, a walnut shell production shell. Okay. A lot of people had done a walnut shell, like custom drums, things like that, but not in production. We did a cherry. And the cherry was remarkable. Which is a great wood. Very dry, uh, very kind of sandy sounding, but it still had beautiful projection, a lot of really nice resonance. So the materials are all over the place. So now, if you go in and ask for a maple kit, you can get a $2,300 maple kit, or you can get an $899 maple kit. It just depends on the quality of the maple. But when we were kids, it it was maple. But as far as a snare drum, um, snare drums, because they're tuned higher, um, I think that it's easier to hide imperfections within a snare drum than it is a very simple tom or a bass drum. Yeah. Where if you're if your lug uh, if you've drilled and your lug pattern's just a little bit off, the drum's not going to tune right. You know, but a snare drum you can just crank, change the hoops out, mm. and, and you know, on a cheap snare drum make it sound really great. Okay. But I mean, there's there's something to be said. Even about bad really heads, nice you can drum. you can keep a bad head on there and just crank it down a little bit more and and get by. Yeah. With a tom, you can. It exposes everything. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So let's get back. Yeah, sorry. Uh, it's it, man. It, it for me, I like going into those conversations, but we put a lot of people to sleep. So let's wake <laughs> them back up. Getting back to your question, Nate. Uh, as far as the guitar shop carrying accessories, let's talk about head combination. So uh, a, a, a guitar shop gets drum heads. Should they get clear? Should they get coated? Should they get a combination? Yeah, I say should, combination. Should, okay, yeah. so talk about drum heads and what specifically they can uh, or they should stock. Um, I would say for tom heads, a selection of double ply and single ply heads, clear and coated. Okay. Um, the double ply is going to be a little more controlled and uh, forgiving. And for yeah, yeah. and forgiving, uh, tuning wise and playing yeah. wise. Mm-hmm. And then the single ply is going to be a lot more open, um, a, a little bit brighter. Hmm. The double ply is going to be a little darker. Um, for your resonant heads, I, you know, again, they're looking at reality. Most of the people that are going to carry a you know selection of resonant heads are going to carry one thing. They're not going to carry, you know, uh, you know diplomats, ambassadors. They're not going to. They're not going to do that. I would say carry a G one or uh, Evans G one or an ambassador weight, 
and if somebody special orders something, great. But always keep those G1, you know, clears in stock. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a little strange when it comes to my drum head combination because I like a very 50 sound. It's so all use coated top and bottom. Okay. Um, just, uh, it just it just mellows out the tone a little bit. Plus, I'm using those round edges, so you know, it's just very round and warm sound. But as far as uh, well, then you get into bass drum heads and snare heads. Mm-hmm. I would carry, you know. Um, single ply snare drum heads but ones that have the you know with and without a dot you know for for because the dot will last a little longer if somebody's you know playing in the middle i've never played in the middle of a drum in my life mm. I play the whole drum play the edge um but yeah, i'd say a good selection of, of double and single ply mm. um when you get into the specialty heads the pinstripe is always a great go-to for somebody well then don't you control. agree that they should have a pinstripe anyways because i mean pinstripes oh, yeah. are one yeah. of the most common heads sure. so stock them but anyways go ahead sure no i think the pinstripe above all over uh, other tom heads for a again a baseline mm-hmm. for someone to have i think that's really important because people know that you know it it's never really gone out of style that's the thing is you you always i've always felt like well at different times i felt like well this is it pinstripe's going to go out of fashion and you still yeah. sell tons of them okay um you know, a coated, uh, a coated is more of a slap than a punch. Um, if you know what I mean. It, that, oh, in, he's in been slapped sound. a few times. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, you know, the, a few times. <laughs> but um, it's just it's warmer. Okay. Um, and uh, there's more there's more uh, there's more attack with a uh, with a clear head than there is with with the co- a coated yeah. head because a coated kind of absorbs that attack and gives okay. a very warm sound. Um, and then bass drum heads. The, the EMAT is a tremendous bass drum head. Yeah, it's a remarkable bass drum head. Yeah, uh, you know the EQ uh, the EQ series from from Evans is really nice. But the Power Stroke from Power Stroke is really Three, great. yeah, Power yeah. Stroke Three is a tremendous head. Yeah. And it's kind of the go to. Okay. But, well, and and a lot of times guitar players. I know this is going to be kind of a, a strange comparison. Can uh, take guitar strings and kind of compare to heads. If you have coated strings, yeah. you get the same tonal uh, uh, sound as you would with a coated head. Yeah. You know, a, a lighter string or a thinner head. Yeah, I mean, sure. you can kind of make some comparisons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's absolutely. not accurate, but you can still kind of get, get the, the gist of it. Yeah. yeah. And going okay. back real quick on, on bearing edges, one of the things for a guitarist to, to be able to, to understand the importance of bearing edge, it's, it's the bridge. It's the bridge on your guitar. Uh, if you've got a sharp bridge, yeah. the strings. So the bearing be, edge is where the head goes over where and it touches, stretched, right? right. Okay. Right. Yeah. So I mean, if you if you had a very sharp, um, if you had a very sharp um, uh, bridge, then you know the strings would be a lot more lively. But if you rounded that out, they'd be a lot more subdued, and that's that's kind of the difference. As yes, a music exactly. store owner that's just getting into drums, do you need to get have a? You said three kits possibly to get started. I yeah. mean, is this something to where you have? Different kits with different bearing edges, different heads. So not necessarily, or yeah, not necessarily, because I think I think the sharper edge kit is what most people are gonna. You know, you're you're not gonna get a parent coming in going, I want to spend seven hundred dollars, but they better have rounded bearing edges. You're not gonna get that. <laughs> you know, it's gonna be more like guys like yeah. us. Well, that, and, yeah. and and here's the, here's the thing, and you can back me up on this. Hopefully, guitar players won't even talk about bearing edges when they're sure. when they're dealing with right. that. Um, that's that's a, a subject that that doesn't need to be discussed. Well, they didn't know. Not not that it's important, but it's information that mom's going to stand there going, "What the heck are you She's talking about?" Get it. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's not worth that. I mean, I, I would say, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is you know, a, a couple, couple starter kits and maybe mm-hmm. a, 
a, a good intermediate kit. Sure. Yeah. And then you can always special order a higher end kit or whatever. But you know, you, you don't need to invest a whole lot of dollars uh, at at first, and then you can just grow it from there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You're just you want to you want to broaden your offering. I think. And uh, in any any retail store needs to broaden its offer. Okay. And you know, I think it's funny. I think uh, uh, businesses, marriages, and churches—the reason they break down is because you know people say, "Well, that's just the way we've always done things." Yeah. And you can't wow. do that. You do have to change. Okay. You know? Hey, to uh, obviously to plug where you work now is Ludwig a great brand for somebody who's just getting into drums to carry? Yeah, because I mean, there's there's entry level entry level accent stuff going all all the way through. You know, a, an intermediate maple accent kit is there is, is the brand. entry level. Okay. And uh, I hope. <laughs> I'm still learning. Yeah, I'm learning. Um, but then you know you get up into the higher yeah. the higher you know price range of stuff, which is actually not that bad. The stuff that you know we like the rounded bearing edges, yeah. and you know mm-hmm. you've got a thin shell versus a thick shell, and yeah, I mean that that's the great thing about about Ludwig starting really starting in the early 80s they came out with the rocker and they may have come out ahead of the of the export i'm not really sure if they did or not i, I would say it's pretty close because i it, that was a huge kit when it came out oh, the rocker yeah, absolutely that was big time i had a friend of, I, I had several friends that had that kit yeah well, i remember um i forgot all about it until you just brought it up well i mean it had features that nothing else yeah. had I, I remember um I didn't even know Modern Drummer existed until like 86, 87, after I had been playing forever. The magazine? You know? Yeah. Okay. And I remember walking into a store going, oh, what is that? And picking it up, and I was hooked. Change your still life. still am, you know? Yeah. And um, I, I remember walking into, uh, I think I got it in like a drugstore on the way to school, mm-hmm. and I got into chemistry class. Are we still talking about drums? Yeah, we are. Oh, okay. And I, <laughs> I sit down and open it up, and on the inside front cover mm-hmm. is the Ludwig Rocker ad. And my yeah. buddy, Damon McClurg, sitting next to me. He was a senior. I was a sophomore. Yeah. And he leaned over. He goes, oh, it's awesome. Wow. <laughs> Just looking at that. And when we sat there looking at that Just ad. Just staring at it. It was yeah. an intermediate kit. It was not even a professional yeah. kit. You just, it, it looked was a cool. drum kit. It looked cool. It was yeah. amazing. And you sat there looking at it. And it was the greatest thing ever. And, it, you know, I think it's, it's really important to know that companies like Ludwig have been investing in students and the growth of that student through their entire line mm-hmm. for a long time. A lot of companies yeah. have. I, but, I mean, the rocker is sure. the one that stood out to me yeah. when I was a kid. Now, so you were talking about the accent kit, um, but but Ludwig has done a very good job to, to have all price points covered. Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, starting from the start um, to even uh, from the, a beginner and intermediate, there's still kits that fall Absolutely. under that line. Yeah. So if you walk in and, and, and you know your son or daughter's really into drums and there's an accent, which is a good kit, but you're like, oh, let me bump them up a little bit. Absolutely. They have a lot of offerings there too yeah, as well. Yeah, for sure. Because right? you can get into a price point that's about six ninety nine with hardware. Okay. And, and, and it's a good drum. It's a good drum. Yeah. It's a really good drum i saw uh, a, a review done on the um d- done on their intermediate maple kit a couple days ago and they swapped out the heads but that kit was amazing it yeah. sounded great of course the guy playing it was phenomenal too yeah. but that always helps you know and and that's one thing that that um retail stores need to be able to pass along when parents are buying drums and you know okay. they there's an opportunity for them mm-hmm. to to sell more product to them. Upsell, yeah. Upsell yeah. with a new head pack. One of the things that, are, that in drum manufacturing that we have to do is we have to find a way to get it to market with as little overhead, not overhead, but as little 
cost as possible. Okay. And it's very expensive to put out a drum kit. Yeah. It's very, very expensive. Yeah. Heads are a big part of that. So when you see a, a, a drum come in, and, and it's generally that intermediate level, low end, you're not going to get the best heads. Um, because we've got to keep that price low sure. so that people can afford it. Absolutely. Play those heads, wear them out, then get new heads. Yeah. But I've had parents go, well, you set us up to have to buy. It's like, no, we, we wanted to keep the price low because I guarantee you go and put good heads on them. All of a sudden, that six ninety nine kit is eight ninety nine. dollars yeah. People are going to just pass it by. Yeah, sure. just, just yeah, and you got to replace them. I mean, you have to. I've it's had people walk item. in and go, well, I, I didn't know these sticks were breakable. Sure. You know, and it's kind of the same thing with heads. I yeah. mean, you know, you've got to swap them out you do. after a while. You do. Hey, we're getting a message from our producer that maybe we need to start wrapping things up. So, all right, all I know, right. You, you guys don't even realize we've been talking for oh, six and a half hours. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> no. uh, uh, so and we I can do it another six uh, and a half, too. Sure. So I didn't know if you had one final question that maybe you think Josh needs to touch on or to yeah, wrap things up. Yeah, I, I do. I have, well, I have several, but one, where are you going to be in five or ten years? Man, I, I really, really hope that uh, that I am with Ludwig. I would like to put in the time and, and to do that. Um, you know, I think the, the very fortunate thing about working at a, a company like Ludwig Conselmer is the ability to be able to move up and grow. And, yeah. and grow. And it's not, you know, it's not a thing about, you know, I want more money and power. I don't want that. I... I love the drum industry. Mm-hmm. Um, my entire life, this is what I've wanted to do, mm-hmm. you know. And, and I was the kid that had teachers going, you know, you really need to learn a skill. Do what you love. You're <laughs> never going to do. You're never going to do anything in music. I don't yeah. foresee you as being a doctor. Yeah. No, <laughs> no, I don't think so. That wouldn't fly. But I, I really hope that it's taking, helping take Ludwig to that next level. Mm-hmm. Good. Um, the company's never gone away. It's it's always sure. been strong. There have been down years. Uh, there's been down years for anybody, but it's a very very strong name. I mean, it's one of the it's one of the big three American yes. companies, yes. if not the top American yeah. company that's gone back for years and years and years. Yeah. I'm very honored to work there, and I just hope I'm in a place where I have uh, I've helped you know grow the company even more, and Good. hopefully internationally mm. as well. You know, yeah. it's when I've told people about the change that I'm making. Um, they're surprised because of my connection, you know, mm-hmm. my connection with Natal that I've had for five years. And there's no bad blood. There's no bad feelings. Mm-hmm. These are people that I truly, truly love. Yeah. Um, but they, they're they set up that they're in a better position that I can move on now, and, and they'll be well taken care of. With Ludwig, I, I just would like to be involved with them as, as long as I can. And yeah. uh, it's an iconic brand. For me, as a, as a 14-year-old kid, you know, opening up Modern Drummer magazine. Mm. Yeah. It's a big deal. Yeah. It's a big deal for me, and I don't want to let them down. Awesome. And, yeah. well, congratulations. Yes. Thank you, guys, and thanks yes, for having congrats. me. I really appreciate yeah. it. We're excited. Yeah. We're excited for your future. So uh, we got through probably half of the questions. <laughs> um, but uh, That was a whole it, lot of information. It was a lot of stuff. <laughs> so guitar players, don't turn this off. Listen to it. There's a lot of good information there. Thank you for that. Um, but, but we want to encourage all the music stores out there that don't carry a lot of drums to dive into it. Not to be a Afraid. Right. You know, so yeah, I mean, it's a very simple thing. Yeah, they're not as complicated as we may make them right. out because a lot of times as drummer, we have to act and sound smart. Right. You know, we're just I mean, men. We're always getting <laughs> beat up, you know, right. so we have to. Uh, but yeah, uh, they need to experiment. It's a new profit center. They need to open For up sure. a profit yeah. center, not just carry guitars, not just pigeonhole yourself, but open up because there's a lot of product out there to sell. Drums is one of them. Um, and, uh, you know, thank you for helping us 
us out with that. Thank yeah. you guys we, for having me. We will me. do it's this again in yeah. the future after you've kind of been uh, with Ludwig for a while. Right. Um, we can ask great. more questions. I'd love to hear an update. Super yeah, yeah. excited for you and sure. your family. Yeah. Thank you very uh, much. you got a great family. Thanks, man. And uh, appreciate you. you. Thank you. And so you want to close us out, Nate? Yeah, man. We appreciate it. Josh Touchton. Oh, oh, hey, we and got Richard's got the you. shirt. Well, yes. We always have to give we away a gift, shirt. So you got it. Beautiful. And if you yes. want to know what it looks like really well, yeah. this is That's what awesome. it does. It, we have him here to be a model. Yeah. Yeah. Is there more room in the gut? We have a size <laughs> yeah. comparison. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we, we, and we don't compare sizes Thank here. you so much. Yo. On that note. Man, we appreciate it. Hey, everybody out there listening, thanks for tuning in. Man, this was a special episode just because Josh is a killer dude, man. Yeah. All right. Thank we appreciate guys. it. All right, everybody. Welcome back. Man, what a killer episode with Josh Touchton with Ludwig. Man, a big announcement in his life. We're excited for him. But also, he brought a lot of information for store owners about getting started, uh, getting drums into your store. So it's a big deal. It's a profit center, and you need to do it. So, uh, man, we appreciate you listening to the episode. Of course, if you like it, we always ask that you give us a positive review on Facebook or uh, actually any of the uh, any of the podcast players that you listen to this. But also go over to Facebook, give us a like. Also on Twitter and Instagram, so that way you can follow with everything that we are doing and who we're talking to. But man, we appreciate it. Another great episode. Hope everybody has a great day and a great week. Own a music store or sell guitars online? Need more inventory to stay competitive in today's market? MIRC is the nation's largest wholesaler of quality used guitars. Visit www.mircweb.com to become a dealer today. Thanks for listening to the Music Retail Show.